This week, something a bit different. I recently put together a collection of excerpts from the first year of Getting Better Acquainted for something I was submitting to the Radio Production Awards. Since making this took up all my editing time this week, I thought that I'd share it with you. It's only short, so there's more time to go back and catch up on all the episodes that you might have missed. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Matt. Hello, Matt. Hi, Dave. How did you meet me? I can't remember the exact moment that I met you. More of the moment that I saw you. Um, I think even before I met you, you had a reputation for wearing crazy hats. Well, I think I first met you as a kicking baby in my tummy. I don't know how the hell you can answer this one. How did you meet me? Well, as you're my brother, I think you turned up one day and it was a decided annoyance. (laughs) I have very little memories of sort of young childhood. One day you weren't there and one day you were there. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't think that's kind of how it works. I mean, I was being, what, six? You were when you six, turned up, yeah. So I'm sure you were brought home and introduced and stuff like that, but I suspect at that age I was like, yeah. What do you do now? It's a bit complicated to explain what I do, really. I am in a doctoral training centre for complex system simulation. Right. <laughs> Which sounds really complicated. It's not actually that bad. Well, I look after my kids in the morning. I go to work as a cycle courier in the afternoons, kind of sort of seven hours a day, so it's part-time. And cur- currently you are sketching as well, um, that's well, what, literally what you're doing I'm now. literally doodling, yeah, um, which is, I don't know, I think it's helping me think, or calm down or something, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the sketching I don't know, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, <laughs> if it's an ECG gram then we're in trouble. <laughs> now I work almost seven days a week in various locations Yeah, and that's, that's different times. That's quite nice to sort of contextualise where we are because we're at one of those locations that you're working at yes we are I'm just and watching my colleague that's pack right. up the store <laughs> and it's at seven uh, well it's, 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 it's seven days a week because here we are in, on, on a Saturday and you've been your man in a well woman in yeah. a fruit and veg store yeah the, the, the easiest way for us to do this so that it could happen was for me to invite you to come yeah. along while I was going to be on the fruit and veg well, store we're getting better acquainted with Owen hello Owen hello hello David hello listeners we're in a car Cleo, uh, Cleo, uh, her name is Cleo. No, Chloe. Now, she's a Renault Cleo, but she's now we're Chloe. in Chloe and we're chain smoking. Chain smoking at the top of Caffili Mountain in Cardiff. In the darkness. In, in a, the darkness. In a well-known dog inside, we think. Well, we, if, I if, think it is. Anyway, if someone turns up at the window with their willy hanging out, then we're gonna probably have to move on. And that probably, be, yeah, probably. <laughs> it, depends if, it depends on what the offer they is. might want to do a conversation oh. and uh, how did you first meet me do you know what I read when I listened to the other episodes I knew you were going to ask me this question yeah and I don't remember the first time I met you I do remember the first time you, you made an impression on me okay which was backstage in a school play the one where you were dressed up as a sea monster right and you were being a twat uh, I persuaded Aisha to get a dining table that's actually it's like a boardroom table, basically. It's this huge 12 or 10-seater table. I think it's 12. It's yeah, a 12-seater yeah. table that we kind of... Because we had a huge space, and we were like... I was like, what if everybody visits all at once? <laughs> all, all our entire families. What are we going to do? We're going to sit them all. Obviously, this has never happened ever in the last 
six or seven years since we got married. But days, um, yeah. but um, the idea was like everybody will have a place to sit at the table. <laughs> if I choose not to abide by society's rules, yeah. Shouldn't I at least be entitled to survive with a roof over my head, some food, and basically be allowed to exist and, and abstain from that particular existence? I don't see why I shouldn't be able to do that. What do you think about what the internet is doing? We're talking now on a podcast, which people are downloading mm-hmm. via the internet or they're streaming it on mm-hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a flash in the pan? Do you think that really books have more value than digital podcasty type things? I'm not really in a position to say they've got more value. I'm really concerned about, and I have been since the uh, initiation of the word processor, it's the lack of touch. It's a sense that has been eroded. I can feel, I can smell, I can see, I can hear, but I can't any longer touch my writing. And out of nowhere, this soldier was there, all of a sudden, with a whip properly whipping his whip on the ground okay. in my direction and it really wasn't very far from me at all. The look on his face was terrifying. I would I don't know if it was terrifying, I didn't feel terrified. I just felt like this is really weird. Did it feel real? It it felt it kind of felt real like I was aware that I should be scared and he looked scary and the whip sounded very scary. But I was also aware that he didn't quite know what to do with me. I guess he wasn't expecting to see someone like me there. Yeah. And that was what I was like really aware of was like he didn't know what to do and it was it was a little bit like in the house where I used to live there was a squirrel always around and a cat and when they met in the garden the cat was of course like I should get the squirrel but I don't quite know what to do here <laughs> and the squirrel was clearly in charge and it, it was exactly that wow and I, I think I remember thinking I need to not laugh yeah. don't laugh yeah yeah and that's interesting. I mean, it seems like your reaction to being in sort of slightly dangerous situations is to be amused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. I, to, to laugh and to smile is probably my default way to be. That I, that I don't remember a lot of what happened before I was 18. And I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that I sort of just blocked out for you know, protective things. But I don't remember a lot of the details. But you're young and you don't remember a lot of the details anyway. I remember it, I mean, she taught until she got very, very sick at the end. There are many types of MS, but this is the type that gets progressively worse. After she had my sister, she had to be in a wheelchair. There was a point at which she stopped being able to use most of her hands. And so it it meant she changed the way she taught. And so the students would come up and they'd write the problems up on the projector. And then they'd have to work it out with economics. I don't know if any of you have sat through an economics class. I don't know if you sat through an economics Certainly class, not. Dave. It, you gotta work with the material to understand the things that are going on, so it's actually a really, really important way of teaching. Mm. And it was a thing that was a consequence of this really terrible thing that was happening that I think actually probably really helped a lot of kids to a better understanding of economics. I have weird sort of images and that that even now, now and again, if I sit and think about it, more and more of it comes back. Them trying to put the uh, catheter in and stuff and not being able to do it because I I was so big in the way I was sat, it was kind of like crunching my penis down. The worst thing was when they shaved me. That was the most, the worst, because I wasn't expecting, they told me to shave my stomach and my chest, which I did. And I was lying there and the woman who'd been with me all day, this Czech nurse who was there to look after me, came in. And she said, have you shaved? I said, yeah. And she said, well, I'll check now. And she pulled off my apron and then just grabbed my penis 
and picked my penis up and pulled it from side to side and just started shaving my balls and all my my pubic hair off me and I had to lie there and that that was not fun that was not something I'd ever want to do again has to be said so you had completely shaved pubic hair I to- totally shaved it was really weird but I don't know why I did it there was no one near my, my penis <laughs> the heart is a lot smaller than people think it is it's about the size of a fist when the fist at your centre has unclenched that affects the rest of your body but you don't necessarily realise that it's your heart in the period of time before the ambulance got there I was holding her hand and a customer came out because of course we hadn't locked the doors mm. this has all happened quite quickly and the customer was another older lady who leaned down, took her pulse and went, she's gone, love. Picked up a loaf of bread and went to the till. And I got up, sold her the bread, (laughs) and then went back to... And afterwards, I was thinking, why on earth? Why on earth did she pick up... And why did I then get up and sell it to her? But you are on automatic pilot I, I knew how to sell the bread whereas helping doris was obviously beyond me. i don't know i know there are plenty of times when therapy does help but i think there's a certain value in talking to your friends, friends. i always think friends and family are much they know you better that's it they know what's what's going on and what are the factors that are affecting it because you're saying you can accept your flaws mm-hmm. can i'm not mean? i'm not comfortable with them yeah but i can admit to them Because I know that my primary relationship, that relationship with God, my flaws, won't affect the way that he loves me. Now that security and that unconditional acceptance, even though I don't deserve it, I suppose that recognition of this unconditional and generous, undeserved love, that leads me... To change. I came back with these guys and we travelled in a cattle truck, lots of French wine, which they got on board. We got thoroughly pissed, they taught me the Chat Andrei, and I had to teach What's them. That? That's a song. Okay, it's a song. Oh, the um, Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf. Yeah. And I, in return, I had to teach them. Something about the white crystal drove, you know, there'll always be a... The war is over, the white cliffs of Dover, tomorrow, just you wait and see. That's yeah, to teach Vera Lynn, French. isn't it? Vera Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. And these French commanders, they were all about my age, you know. We were, we, I mean, we were just drinking wine, lying in these open cattle trucks, and the doors open, and the sun shining out, and the Guelman Mountains behind. We had about five days, you know. We could have been out in the army. I mean, there was no discipline. There was nobody in charge of us. I mean, it sounds like you've certainly got to a point with your mum that you've started to mend. Yeah, we're definitely back on on track. Probably not as close as we were, but definitely. Um, I mean, I guess (laughs) the little girl in the background has probably helped. Yeah, she has. Yeah, you appreciate your parents more when you when you become a parent as well. And you sort of realise all the thing, all the emotions and, and how close they actually feel to you. I don't think you really realise that until until you have one. So it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing some really kind of big stuff mm-hmm. 
it's a little bit different from sort of having a relatively kind of uh, jokey yeah. colleague kind of relationship. Before I ask the final question, mm-hmm. which of us is Batman and which of us is Robin? Oh, I'm sorry, but I have to be Batman. See, why do you? Why are you Batman? See, because like you're like. <laughs> Little. Small, yeah. Oh, so little. what? Because and I'm like older than Robin. you. Yeah, well, I'm older than you as well. Who actually thought of the whole Batman and Robin thing? I think it was. I think I started it, but I think that you just decided to <laughs> completely subvert it and change it. Fine, you can be Batman. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I, no, I will tell you what, you can be Batman. No, think... no, we're going to argue about that. <laughs> <laughs> I quite know. I mean, to be fair, I've always enjoyed the idea of being Robin to your Batman. I think it would be quite comical. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything that you want to plug? As in promote. Do I have anything I want to plug as in promote? Yeah. Normally I don't say the as in... No, 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 I understand. I think I try... I understand. It's it's an enormous question. (laughs) It really is, because... um, I'm trying to think of what I would want to plug if I wanted to plug something. The reason I asked the question is is double, really. It, initially, it was there was only one reason. It was I want people to get the most out of having appeared on the show. And if someone's a lot of my friends are in bands or whatever, or they've got a website or yeah. whatever to promote, then yeah. I want them to be able to to do that. That's yeah. a g- good thing. As they've got an audience, they should yeah. they should be able to say that. That's a big part of who they are quite often. Yeah. So, Louise, it has been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you. And I think it's, it's been nice actually because I think I have actually got better acquainted with you and that there are certain things I didn't know about you that I now know. The question that I'm asking everyone at the end of the interviews is do you have anything that you want to plug? And you can interpret that in any way you like. It's been interesting. Some people have I've plugged like who I thought were going to say no. I've come up with interesting things. Like, don't feel the pressure that you um, have to do that. You can say no. Sitting on the fence. It's great and I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Recommend is sitting on the fence. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that's the thing. People have done that. It's been really conceptual. I never thought it would go that way. Brilliant. So everybody should sit on the fence more. <laughs> I have a problem with doing that. It's very, really hard to do it. I mean, I can sit on the fence. No, I can't. I can sit on the fence on my own in a room and go, I just can't make up my mind about that. But if I'm in a conversation, I just always take a position. Do you sometimes finish a conversation and go, why did I say that? All the time. <laughs> so often. <laughs> but, uh, but Ah, now I am better acquainted with you. <laughs> I think that's an important thing for people to know about me, actually, because otherwise yeah. they just think I'm a nutcase. But I, I'm aware that I'm a workcase. <laughs> um, so on that bombshell, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Goodbye, listeners. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye.